Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in-depth to share their experiences, brilliant insights, and vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments in the sport. This show is listener-supported via Patreon. If you want to consider joining our loyal legion of backers, hit us at patreon.com slash Mag and contribute whatever you feel most comfortable with to keep us going strong. Thanks to Bjorn Trowry for stepping up with his monthly pledge. He's been a Patreon backer for two years now, so he's an OG Sidious Mag fan. We're also on Venmo for those of you who want to support the show and get a shout-out in the next episode. This week, we got some kudos from Betsy Aronson and Brad Peters, who wrote in and said, Thank you, Chris. You ask great questions to your interesting guest. I appreciate that, Brad. More to come. One last thing, sponsorship slots are now open for 2023 on the Sidious Mag Podcast and the Lab Count Newsletter. If you want to reserve some space to promote your brand, product, or event to our followers, do not hesitate to reach out. Email chris at SidiousMag.com for a full list of our offerings and rates. It's one of the most direct ways to tap into our dedicated following of track and field nerds, running superfans, coaches, and other fantastic people within the industry who appreciate our commentary and storytelling. Spaces are limited, so we look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks to everyone for their support. This episode is also presented by Tracksmith. You know them by now because they've been behind the podcast in the past. Tracksmith is an independent running brand inspired by a deep love of the sport. Running in cold weather requires thoughtful layers, and Tracksmith's Fells collection is a Sidious favorite. The Fells turtleneck, waffle layer, and Henley from Tracksmith aren't your grandparents' wool sweaters. The Fells collection offers a warm and comfortable solution to unpredictable weather with its honeycomb weave pattern that traps and releases pockets of body heat. During the month of December, visit tracksmith.com slash Sidious and use code SidiousMag at checkout for free shipping and a way to support Achilles International. Their mission is to break down barriers to race start lines and empower the disability community to cross the finish line. I had the pleasure of running the New York City Marathon alongside my friend, Dr. Joe Park, who has done some races with them, and it's truly inspiring to see the work that they do to get people with disabilities to participate in endurance events around the globe. There's 38 chapters in 17 countries and 28 chapters in 19 U.S. states. You can't miss their neon green tops and races as they improve the lives of people with disabilities through athletic programs and social connection. Remember to use code SidiousMag at checkout at tracksmith.com, and you can support Achilles International. Please welcome back Molly Seidel to the Sidious Mag podcast. We just recorded this at the running event in Austin, Texas, where we partnered with Puma Running to host a group run, tape live podcast, and follow around the Puma Elite women before they won the Sound Running Cross Champs. Stay tuned for more content coming from this trip, but I really enjoyed this conversation with Molly as we caught up on a lot from the past year, including how she handled some of the lows in her running due to injury and mental health struggles. She's doing much better, and I'm excited for what's to come from her in 2023. So without further ado, here is Molly Seidel. everyone thanks for coming to this live podcast i'm chris chavez i'm the founder of sidious mag for some of you who may not be familiar with what sidious mag is we're a i can't wait to hear how you describe (laughs) it (laughs) digital media company covering all things pro running cross-country marathons and the olympics i think that was a good job right we do it through podcasts we do it through videos 
social. We're everywhere. Newsletters, lab count newsletter. Uh, we, we, we're enough of us. Let's focus on all right, our the guest, main event. The main event. You've seen her plastered all over this booth, up, including up there. Uh, she is the Olympic bronze medalist in the marathon, the beer mile record holder at the University of Notre Dame, the donut mile record holder at the University of Notre Dame. Of Molly Seidel. Yeah, two of her proudest accomplishments. Molly, round of applause for Molly Seidel, everyone. All right, so first time at TRE. This is awesome. This yeah. is huge. Yeah. Like, I... I don't know what I expected coming in, but it's way more. <laughs> How weird is it to come in and see your face <laughs> at, like blown up everywhere? Well, so it's funny because one of my good friends from Flagstaff is at the booth on the other side, and he's like, I have to look at your face all day long. It's annoying. Yeah, what a nightmare. But it is pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah. when, when you do, some of these are race photos, but a photo shoot like that, like take us through the day, like your job as a professional runner is to train and race, but mm -hmm. sometimes you have to play the role of like model. Yeah. So what, what's a day like that like? So a day like that, usually Puma's flying out to Flagstaff. They meet me. It's usually like 20 degrees and they're like getting a tank top. I'm like, cool. Love this. Um, and then basically we'll go out to some sort of scenic dirt road in Flagstaff, which we have a lot of, and I'll just run back and forth on it all day while all of my friends who are also out running on that same dirt road will just incessantly make fun of me. Isn't it amazing like six hours probably of a photo shoot for that one shot? Yeah, just about. Like, there was one in uh, Sedona right after New York Marathon where I think I ran up and down the same hill for about five hours. We got some <laughs> excellent shots out of it. Don't get me wrong. But I think I am more tired after photo shoot days than after any marathon I've ever done. So we're here at the running event, Run Specialty. Mm -hmm. What's your relationship with Run Specialty? I, like, did you ever work in a shoe store before? Yeah, so I worked in a shoe shop um, back in my hometown in Wisconsin, um, in-step running for years probably um, worked through college. And then um, I, I've helped out with a couple different pop-ups when I lived in Boston, right around the Boston Marathon. Um, so yeah, I've got a very soft spot in my heart for run specialty stores. This is like different from like a Boston Marathon Expo, but I feel like at the same time, could also be a little overwhelming for you, I guess, like walking around a setting like this, how many times have you did you get stopped coming in here? Um, it was definitely a couple times uh, stopping for photos, but luckily they kind of shuffled me through. I think a lot of times people don't necessarily recognize me because they assume that I'm taller than I actually am. So they see me. It's the same thing. as like when I'm out running on the river here in Austin, I don't get stopped as much as you think because they see me running and they're like, there's no way that's an Olympian. I feel like being an Olympic medalist is probably the perfect amount of celebrity mm -hmm. because you can still go out to dinner with your friends and, you know, there's no paparazzi but then you come into very niche markets like mm. this or the boston marathon and you're a-list yeah and you it, get to feel that <laughs> it's it's pretty wild of like 99.9 percent .9 of my life it's yeah like no recognition i can walk around whole foods totally fine and then you go to like the falmouth road race and i can't move three steps it was uh, <laughs> so we warmed up together before falmouth this year and I would say it was annoying for me to have to, like, try to get in the race zone with you around mm -hmm. because we were just being stopped for pictures and everything. I can't imagine before races the amount of events and stuff that you have to mm -hmm. do 
I mean, they it, make you work for those appearance fees. It, it's pretty wild. Yeah, getting used to that. Just because so many of my first marathon experiences happened during the pandemic when, like, that's just not even a thing. And then I got to New York last year, and all of a sudden, like, in the warm-up area, people are coming up. Like, right as we're going to the start line, people are coming up, like, trying to take a selfie while I am, like, literally on the line. And Des had to body block for me. Like, people were coming up, and so Des Lennon, Boston. Boston Marathon winner, one of my heroes, all of a sudden she's tiny and she comes and like blows through, throws this like six foot man out of the way. And she's like, she's got a race to do. I'm like, thank you, Des. That's a veteran move. She's been yeah. dealing with that a little bit longer. Oh yeah. 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 I think she's probably like, I think she probably felt a lot of sympathy there because I assume that Des can't physically move around the city of Boston at this point on Boston Marathon weekend. What's the strangest place or most unexpected place you've been recognized? Ooh. Um, the strangest place. I feel like it's because I have almost become kind of like the Bill Murray of running <laughs> of like people will see me because I travel a lot. I'll travel to really random places in this summer. I spent quite a bit of time just in and around like Europe, random places in Europe. And each new small niche city that I went to, I would get recognized by like one or two people like runners. So I was in a sporting goods store in Munich trying to buy gloves. And a woman comes up to me. She's like, Molly? what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm, I'm just trying to buy gloves. And then I went to Salzburg. I was like touristing around, like trying to like see all the sound of music stuff, favorite musical. Um, and it, like right in front of like one of the fountains and a woman comes out, she's like, what are you doing here? I'm just like, I, I can't go anywhere at this point. Cause it's like the one person. <laughs> this idea that like your entire life has to be spent in Flagstaff. Exactly. Running. You're not allowed any fun. I think people are just really, like, intrigued seeing me, like, in places that they wouldn't expect a runner to go. Uh, I mean, hell, like, people should just expect me in breweries at this point. <laughs> yeah, so we, we were talking just beforehand, so you drink a lot of Michelob Ultra. I do. Good old Mickey Slims. <laughs> but you were arguing uh, Wisconsin best beers, and you had some hot I'm a Spotted Cow fan. Okay. Okay, Spotted Cow is good. Spotted Cow is a perfectly fine cream ale. I just don't understand why people think that that's the only beer that is produced in Wisconsin. It's not the only one, but it's like there's a, a nice little allure to being like you can only get it in Wisconsin. I think it's the exclusivity yeah. that people like, but I think there's a lot of great breweries in Wisconsin that people should frequent. Go around Madison. Capital Brewery is excellent. Go anywhere in Milwaukee. There's fantastic breweries all around. So I'm not saying don't drink New Glarus. I love New Glarus. Don't hate me, New Glarus. I just think there's other stuff out there and i think new glarus even has better beers than spotted cow yeah. too okay. fat squirrel better than <laughs> better than spotted cow so let's dive in so running and beer it's kind of like a weird relationship mm. i mean i'm sure in college anyone who ran in college had a very irresponsible relationship at times <laughs> um it seemed like most collegiate athletes didn't allow themselves to drink at all until the very end of the season and they mm. didn't know how to handle themselves. Yeah. But I, I feel like, especially in run specialty stores, something that we're seeing more and more pop up it's is like this a, idea of like... brewings in there. Well, yeah, of course with the NAs, but just in general, like the, the group run into oh, yeah, yeah. happy hour. Yeah. So why, I mean... If you want to give everyone permission that it's okay to enjoy the occasional beer, even if okay, you're training. Okay, yes, you can, you can drink beer if you're training. <laughs> but I guess why, I mean, 
what is it about that relationship and why is it such a big part of the culture, mm-hmm. especially like the craft brew scene? Yeah. I mean, we're in Austin, so. I know, exactly. And that's, I wish I had more time here to explore it a little bit. But I think, I think it's kind of the confluence of two really cool things of like this culture of group running, community, getting out there, meeting up with friends and also like meeting up with your friends at a brewery, being able to enjoy cool craft beer, going places like we would do that in Boston all the time. You drive around to the different breweries. Uh, like, I mean, there's Treehouse, there's Trillium, there's different spots around the Northeast. And so I think it's taking these two really cool things and merging them together because they're both such social fun things. And it's like at its core, I think that's the best part about running is that it's when you meet up for a group run, it's not about the actual running. It's about hanging out with your friends. It's about like doing something that's fun and hard and cool and then enjoying it at the end. That's like a tag. That'd be a shirt like running and drinking more fun with friends. Exactly. (laughs) So we the group run this morning. Sidious and Puma. Oh my gosh. I was so many people came out. That was so much fun. It was was a good time. And we had donuts and coffee afterwards. It was great. Yeah. We so I uh, I woke up early. I, I had like 15 that I had to do this morning. So I did a nice 11 mile warm up to the group run um blazed in late as i always am to everything in my life um and then how many people would you say we had out it was 100 plus for sure yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. all the shirts are gone all the shoes were gone yeah yeah so like just a huge fun group like got to meet a ton of really cool people from like in and around texas got to i I got so many recommendations for restaurants to go around Austin and I like didn't have the heart to tell them that I just, I have to leave like immediately after this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it like, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think one of the biggest misconceptions that you probably would get as a professional runner is that like your pace is unsustainable for anyone else and that you would never run slow to attend a group run. But if you want to like dispel that myth. Anyone like- who follows my Strava <laughs> knows that that is not true. No. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, I run so many miles that like not all of them can be very fast. Like the vast majority of my miles are quite like reasonable. And so that's the thing is like, I would so much rather get the chance to run with people and go at less than race pace um, because it's like, I don't know, hell, I'm running 130 miles a week. It's like some of those I need people to talk to. And it's really fun getting to do a nice, just like easy conversational run. What's the, the sl- like slowest mile in a week or like when you start a run? What, are the, what does that look like? I think last week, so I did... I did like a four mile shakeout that I think I averaged 930 pace on. Nice. So yeah. My pace. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so that's the thing is like when you're running like pro, there's just such a variety of paces that you're going to run at. I think I learned to run slow from Sally Kipiego when I used to work bottles for her when I was like right out of college living in Flagstaff. And I would go down to Camp Verde with her to help her do her fluids. And I swear to God, she could not have gone slower if she walked. <laughs> On her warm-ups. And then she would go run these workouts that blew my mind. And then we'd go into the cool down. I swear to God, I could have walked faster than she was running. <laughs> so you, you brought up, you know, running 130 miles. I mean, is, are we back to that point? Or, like, mm-hmm. I know this year, you know, Boston didn't go the way you wanted to, dealing with, with injuries. Mm-hmm. And so over the past couple of months, I guess, like, the build-up to the, the comeback, how, where are we at right now? Yeah, no, so knock on wood. Things have been going really well. I've been back running for, like, running consistently for about a month now. And 
yeah, I, I'm really grateful that I had the time and the space to be able to just like take the time that I needed to get like healthy and get back to like the place where body's feeling good, brain's feeling good. And luckily for me, like the mileage comes back really easily. The The speed will come in the workouts. And that's, that's one of the things that I kind of have to work on mentally of just like, okay, it's a process. Like I'm coming back from a pretty significant injury in a pretty like bad spot earlier in the year. So it's like knowing that I'm not going to be right back to like whipping out miles at 510 pace up in Flagstaff. So it's, it's all a process, but yeah, luckily it's come back a lot easier to run 130 miles a week than I thought it would. Well, I guess the other thing too is like you just went to Boston, did the BAA half, mm-hmm. where it's like that first race back is always humbling, and you like you yeah. you were pretty honest on Instagram about like your feelings afterwards. It's like this is where I'm at right now, and like that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think like a lot of people kind of can relate to that where it's like oh it's not going to be home run after home run after home run what yeah and honestly I think that's that's one of the things that we need to have a better appreciation of in this sport because I think a lot of pros frankly are afraid to go out and race at suboptimal fitness because they'll go and immediately get torn apart online and and it sucks. Like, it's hard to, like, go out and know that, like, you're the Olympic bronze medalist and you're getting last place in the pro field. But at the same time, that's something that John and I have always done in our race buildups. I mean, I almost had to walk at the Great North Run half last year um, coming after the Olympics. And so it's something that it's, like, it's nice to be able to go out and remember, like, to check your ego and that, you that all of this fitness is a process just because I've won an Olympic medal doesn't mean I show up to the line without training and be able to just whip out incredible times it's like it's a process and remembering that by going into these early season racing or races without much training at all like it helps me it helps keep that fresh in my brain of like okay like this takes work You've talked a little bit about the toxicity of social media recently. And I think something that happens a lot of times is professional athletes, they, every time they run a race, they feel like they have to make an excuse if it doesn't go well. Or like, like they, you apologize to fans about like, you know, I'm sorry it didn't go as well as we all hoped. And do you think that plays into a why a lot of athletes are unwilling to race as often as maybe would best prepare them for the races that really do matter at the end of the season? I definitely think so. I think it is this, I think you put it perfectly. It's almost this feeling of like having to be apologetic about going out and racing anything less than your best. And I don't think that's the point of racing. And I think like, I love racing. I feel that I'm a much better racer than I am like a time trialer. And so it's the kind of thing where when you go out and you just race a lot, at whatever fitness you're at, you get that experience that you can then transfer into when you are really fit and you can lead that into better races. And I think there needs to be just more, I don't know, compassion out there for everyone. Because I even see that amongst amateur runners too, of like people who are afraid to go out and just have fun and do this. Like at the end of the day, racing's about having fun and doing what we love like you don't have to go out and PR every time I think there is an over focus of times in this sport a little bit um where it's like sometimes like you need to be able to just go out and like race just for the hell of racing what do you do to kind of refresh your mind and because you know 
we all need that reminder. I'm, you're saying it to everyone, but I'm sure you needed that reminder at times as well. Do you find like a lot of value in just being around other runners in those situations? Or do you find, no, I need to get away from running a little bit? Um, I think it kind of depends where I'm at. Like this summer, I definitely needed to get away from running a little bit. Um, and just get like, especially around having to like not being able to race world champs this summer. It was really, really hard. And I needed to be away from running for a little bit. Um, and I still watched the races. Um, but yeah, it was difficult. But now that like, now that I've been like, feeling a lot better, doing all the work that I needed to, getting back into those environments and just like being at events like this and meeting like real people in the sport, I think is so refreshing and so fun. I think I had a lot more of that when I lived in Boston. I was just training with a lot more amateur runners. You're just in the community a lot more. Whereas like, I love Flagstaff, but Flagstaff is a lot of pro runners, very concentrated. And don't get me wrong, we are the worst. And so it's really nice to see like normal people who have normal jobs and are just going out and running because they love to run. The Sidious Mag Podcast is also supported by Garmin. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me showing off my 4Runner 955 Solar. It's my favorite piece of running tech because it's jam-packed with so many features that make it more than just a running watch. Garmin has successfully done that across its entire 4Runner line because when you're not running, it's gathering everything from your body battery, your sleep record, HRV, stress measurements, and so much more for free. You don't need to have a separate subscription and you don't need to wear a secondary device now. Personally, I've been putting a major emphasis on recovery. So to understand how your body is recovering and to get ready for that next training session, Garmin has improved its sleep monitoring feature. After waking up, you'll receive a sleep score as well as a breakdown of your sleep stages, and they'll also provide some additional insights for improved sleep quality. There's nothing better than seeing that you scored a 90 on sleep. Get the most of your training and take things to the next level with Garmin's 4Runner series. I've been wearing it for a couple months now, and I'm still discovering new features and apps along the way. Visit Garmin.com for more information on the 4Runner 955 and a 4Runner 255. It's the series that Runner's World says is, quote, more accurate than ever. Visit Garmin.com today. One more thing about like kind of like the mental aspect of things, because you you did talk about how you prioritized getting back like your mental health to a state where you felt ready to you know race and train at a high level, and it took some time. And you, I think, talked before you know in uh, I think you wrote an article or you were quoted an article talking about like the weight of the Olympics and afterwards that you didn't realize the toll that it had taken on you. Now, kind of like going forward, I mean, it, looking back. What would, you, what would you have done differently? Mm. I think looking back, I should have taken more time to process exactly what had happened after the Olympics because I think I it was such an enormously positive experience uh, at the end, obviously, that I think it made me forget how difficult it was going into it. Like having qualified for the Olympics and then going straight into a global pandemic and like training and racing the Olympics during a pandemic was frankly a really, really difficult experience. It was really, really stressful. And after I got back, it was so much hype and excitement after what had happened. I didn't take the time to think like, wow, that was really, really, really hard. And I think I just kept kind of like backsliding and backsliding until 
through the Boston build, it was just this kind of thing where it's just, I, I just didn't have anything left to give and combine that with the hip problem that I was dealing with. It was just like, just that feeling of just like, man, I don't know why I can't go to the well anymore. Like I really pride myself on being really like really tough in races. And all of a sudden I was like, that is just gone. And it's just like, you just find you can't dig anymore and having to refill that well back up. I know I'm mixing metaphors here, but um, I think you do need to be able to take that time to like figure out like why you're in this sport, why you enjoy doing this and then how you're going to take everything forward from there. I think one of the biggest things in sports that, like, when an athlete has that first big performance afterwards, it's very quick. You see it on, like, graphics and on sports centers, like, this person is back. And sometimes, like, it's just, like, such a, you know, exclamate, hard exclamation point on that that it's sort of, like, put some pressure on the athlete that's like, oh, okay, I get, now I have to perform to that level every single time out. And so it's sort of, like, in my thinking, like, the next big race that you decide to put on, like, your calendar, like, if, if it goes well, there's going to be those things where it's like, Molly is back, exclamation point. But, you know, are, are you kind of at a point where getting to that Molly is back stamp, like, it's it's it can take some time, right? Yeah, it can take some time, and I think that's... That's the thing that a lot of us forget is that ultimately all of this is a process. Like we like to imagine that because of one good race or one bad race, that that's just defining us from straight on out. And so now it is that weight of bearing that every time I show up to a race, it will always be tailed with Molly Seidel Olympic bronze medalist. And that comes with a weight of expectation to it. But it's being able to have a good enough sense of self to know that like, where I'm at is dependent on my training, on where my mentality is. It's like, just because you have one good race doesn't make you any better or worse than you were before. And so I guess for for some of this, I, I think it takes a like a development of the sense of self. And that's something that I've really worked hard on is to be able to define yourself outside of those accomplishments because defining yourself by those accomplishments will destroy you ultimately. It will you'll just always be trying to reach for this thing that others try to describe you by or whatnot that might not actually be you. So I know that's kind of like a fluffy ephemeral thing. At the end of the day, I still have the exact same goals in this sport that I had before I stepped to the line at the Olympic marathon. None of that changed on like on that day. It's just how people see me is. And if they want to see me that way, sure. I've always seen myself in the exact same way and I'm going to keep doing that. I laugh thinking about when you made the Olympics that it was like a barista made the Olympics because <laughs> you had a pretty decent resume <laughs> before that. Never too. run a step before yeah. that race. <laughs> um, just a random barista jumped in a race and like it went pretty well. Um, do you find a lot of value in doing things that distract you from running like outside of showing up and running 100 I mean it takes a lot of time to run 130 miles a week yes but I mean should you pick up a shift at a running store once a week or something <laughs> uh what are you doing besides running and making appearances at the running event <laughs> I think the word to distract from running isn't necessarily true I think it's important to have a sense of self outside of running and realize that you're more than just this sport and I think that's kind of what led to a little bit of my like mental crash is that I just tied up everything like when things started to go so well I'm like the only thing I can be is a runner now and 
it starts to like eat away at you as a little bit. So yeah, trying to like keep those things and see myself as just like, I'm a friend, I'm a girlfriend, I'm a daughter. I'm like, I do all these other things. Like I'm in school, I'm trying to get my pilot's license. Like it's not necessarily like taking away from the running, but it's things that I can see myself as just outside of this sport. So that like in the times when running isn't necessarily like at the forefront, I don't just like feel completely aimless in the world. But running is a big part. Like there are a lot of eggs in this basket right now. I want to hear more yeah, about you, this pilot. Life. You just buried the lead of the whole podcast. What is going on? Uh, yeah, I've been trying to get my pilot's license for the a while other people now. know about this. Or you're just trying. They, yeah. That was like I think like I had like mentioned that at the Boston Marathon, and so they definitely use that as like a talking point. No, I fly a tiny little Cessna. I have an old like flight instructor named Fred who's like 85 years old and just so mean, but I love him to death. Um, I haven't gotten to fly in a little bit because the weather's been a little bit crappy, but is it's the, fun. Is the dream to, like, fly yourself to a race and then, like, come off the jet and then, like, start line of the Boston Marathon, let's go. That's John's dream. <laughs> like, John keeps talking about this. He's like, oh, my God, we could just, like, fly to Portland Track Fest. I'm like, you just don't want to have to pay for flights. <laughs> you probably still have to pay something. Oh, yeah, you have to pay for, like, the plane. <laughs> if anything, it's more expensive. <laughs> This show is presented by Velis Recovery Footwear. Velis is an active recovery footwear brand designed to help you restore, revive, and re-energize before and after you train. After two years in development, this team has created the world's most comfortable, supportive, and lightweight active recovery shoe in the world. We talk a lot about high performance and training on the Sidious Mag podcast, but I want to take a second and tell you about something equally important to performing your best, and that's recovery. This is something that I've learned over the years, and I can't stress it enough. Take the time to recover properly. One recovery trick is to make sure that you're putting on the right footwear after your run because your feet take a beating, whether you're training or you're racing. And a new brand that Kyle and I have discovered over the last couple months is Velis Active Recovery Footwear. This brand was started by three athletic footwear industry veterans that really know what they're doing. They created what they call Tri-Motion Underfoot Technology that cushions, supports, and flexes in all of the right spots and is engineered to let your feet heal faster and better. Plus, these shoes are so lightweight. I've been wearing them for a while now and absolutely love them. I rock them to and from a track workout. Kyle puts them on after races. Velis Actory Recovery Footwear should be in your footwear mix and part of your plan to perform at your best. So check out Velis Footwear at velisfootwear.com. That's V-E-L-O-U-S footwear.com. Grab a pair today and get 20% off with discount code SIDIUSMAG20. Use capital C and capital M in that discount code, SIDIUSMAG20 at checkout. Now you can experience what recovery footwear should feel like. Over the next couple of months, like what what's on your calendar early on in terms of just like came to the running event, but beyond this, like getting back into training, are you already looking towards 2023? Oh yeah, like everything in the marathon, you have to think like six months, 12 months. Like, I mean, heck, everything right now is geared towards Olympic trials. So everything basically in 2023, I'm not gonna say that like major marathon, like major marathons are very important. We gear up really hard for those, but like ultimately like everything I do between now and 24 is geared towards all that. And so it's like this year is very much going to be a building year and knowing that like, okay, like the the spring and fall marathon that I do this coming year are very much like 
I'm not necessarily trying to go out and run an A++ race because that's not the goal. In the same way that when I went out and ran London in 2020, that was not the goal. I was perfectly content for that to be a B-plus race and get sixth place there, knowing like, okay, the focus of this is to gear up for the Olympics. The focus of everything this year is to gear up for the Olympic trials. So there was a, a long wait to find out where the Olympic trials would be, and we finally learned that it was going to be in Orlando. Where were you when you found out? Do you have a reaction? Did you care one way or another? Have you been to Disney World before? I have been to Disney World once. This is this is a hot Molly take. I actually don't like Disney World that much. I don't like oh. amusement parks. I know. I just heard a groan in the audience. I'm so sorry. <laughs> My parents didn't take me to amusement parks growing up, and so I am no fun. Well, the course won't be uh, like a Disney World course. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> So your reaction to, to it being Orlando, I mean, it's going to be mm -hmm. flat. It's going to be fast. It's going to be flat. I Humid. I do love a hot and humid marathon. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I really like tough courses. I really like tough conditions. And so that's all I was hoping for. Um, I, I actually, like, help out on some of the USATF councils. So I kind of uh, recused myself of the decision on the, the course, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to find out. And I'm excited to head down to Florida. How, I mean, that's still so far away and you're living your life day to day, but with this goal that's so far in mind, how often do you think about that? Is Not it like often. you had, yeah, like you can, you'd exhaust yourself, right? No, and that's the thing is so much of like running is very much having to centralize on the day to day to day to day because it's like if you try to start thinking too far in the future, like plans change, things change. And even then, if you're always going out thinking like everything I'm doing right now is for the Olympic trials or the Olympics, it's like, no, everything I do right now is to get 1% better to run tomorrow. Because that's the thing right now, especially when like my workouts are still coming back, the paces are still coming back. If you try to, th this is how it's always been in training. If I try to think in my head of like, okay, cool, I'm running like five by mile at 525 pace. Now I just need to run an entire marathon at this pace. I would quit the sport. Like it's demoralizing, but it like, that's all it is, is just everything I do today is for tomorrow and for the next day and the next day. That's why I hate when people ask me like, what's your five-year plan? It's like, I don't know what I'm doing a week from now. I'll be a pilot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's hope. <laughs> um, so one question we asked, uh, Pat Tiernan and Fiona O'Keefe, uh, when we just did a podcast before, was their Puma dream. Now, you've gotten a chance to be in, like, a commercial for, mm -hmm. for Puma. Uh, commercial with Dua Lipa? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was, like, Puma has its hand in sponsoring, you know, artists in the entertainment industry mm -hmm. and professional athletes, other sports, F1. Who are you dying to meet? Like, you know, there's enough people in the room that can hopefully make it happen. Yeah, so. I mean, I... I would die to go to an F1 race. I am a huge F1 fan, have been since I was a little kid because my dad races cars. And, yeah, that would be that would be pretty damn fun. I, I will say, though, not a fan of Red Bull. I'm like all Lewis Hamilton or all Charles Leclerc. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. Well, hopefully someone can make that happen. Mm -hmm. So I've got a couple questions here that were submitted on Instagram. And we'll run through a few of these, and we'll take a couple from, from the audience here. First one is actually someone did ask, Cynthia XC, on Instagram asks, what did you think of this year's Formula One season? <laughs> I will say straight out. You didn't watch. 
Uh, no, no, I did oh. watch. I hate Max Verstappen. <laughs> okay, all right. I thought what he did at the end of the season was the most oh, trash teammate move yeah. I have ever seen. Um, so, yeah, I was a little bit frustrated by that one. Amanda W06 asks, what's your favorite pre-run snack? Ooh, my favorite pre-run snack. I love a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. My mom would make me one before every single track and cross-country meet in grade school because Bonnie Blair, the Olympic speed skater, ate one before all of her races. And in my mom's <laughs> mind, that is like the ultimate food. <laughs> Kim Birchley asks, do you ever just wear the turkey costume outside of turkey trots? <laughs> no. <laughs> that costume, it's so funny. It is like the worst material. Like felt <laughs> is terrible. We were joking during this year's turkey trot that I would love for Puma to make like a high performance version of that one. So like if I race Manchester next year, that I can wear like my Puma kit, like crop top and bottoms, but like dressed up as a turkey still. So Puma. Yeah. Good idea there. Uh, KMAC Lewin 17 asked, interested to hear more about your grad school program that you're doing. Mm -hmm. you're doing grad school program. Yeah, so I'm in grad school. Um, it's just through DeVry. It's an online program that's with the USOPC. So when I qualified for the Olympics, they're like, hey, you can do any program through our partnership with DeVry. I was like, hey, like it'd be pretty cool to get an MBA. So yeah, doing that. And being a pilot too. And, well, and doing you're, that. You're going to be a different person in five years. I know, honestly. <laughs> uh, same person asked, what would your death row or final meal and drink be? Ooh, Sushi with a really good light beer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kira D'Amato, I don't know who she is, oh. uh, asked, favorite green food? Is this an inside joke you guys favorite have? Favorite green food? Yeah. I don't think that's an inside <laughs> joke that we <laughs> now have. Now it is. Now it is. I'm trying to think. I I don't know what foods are green. I, I can't say spinach. That's not <laughs> no. like a fun food. A green cupcake, maybe? All right. <laughs> she also asked, favorite non-marathon race in 2020? Favorite non-marathon race in 2020. I think she's fishing for an answer there. Up oh, uh, of course. <laughs> Up Dog 10 Mile, where yeah. I went out there in tennis. She was like, hey, I'm going to try to run the American record 10 mile. Do you want to come out? I just run London Marathon. I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'll help pace you for it. She dropped me in <laughs> 400 meters. I lasted 400 meters at Kira Diumato 10 mile race pace. <laughs> It was glorious. Sean Patrick Doe asks, Des Linden said PR or ER. What's Molly's slogan or motto right now? PR or ER? Okay. Oh, my slogan right now. Yeah. You're full send for a while. Right? I feel like I'm full send for a while. I'm Drinking and running. More fun with friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like the, the one that I'm kind of like coming back to right now, especially as I get back into training and just like try not to focus too much on like the future of where I need to be of just like be here now. Like it's really nice in training when like I'm suffering. It sucks. All I want to do is just like be anywhere but there. It's just like, no, just be here now. Just enjoy it. Suffer. Lean into it. Sabina Pierce asks, if you could change one thing you did in high school, college, or your professional career, what would it be and why? Oh, my God. I would change so many things. <laughs> I have, I'm just on, like, this. I, I feel like every couple of years I, like, go through the same cycle of just, like, have the, like, almost have to try and, like, not reinvent myself, but, like, reinvent my approach to running in order to, like, kind of get to that next level. I think I just wish I could have told myself, especially in college, just like 
don't take this so seriously. I think I was so over serious about it in college and I really sacrificed having a lot of like fun and enjoyment in the sport. And I think that's the times, the times where I am enjoying running the least is when I take it the most serious. Yeah. Uh, final question before we take some from the audience. Uh, Erica Benko asked, does Molly feel like a Molly? What is Molly's middle name? Oh, I'm Molly Elizabeth. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like you you feel like a Molly or like? I do feel like a Molly. I guess it was like hot drama in my family that I got named Molly. Um, my mom's mother, so my maternal grandmother is very Catholic. And so it was a rule that everybody had to have a saint's name. And so my mom like rebelled and she's like, she's going to be named Molly. So my grandmother only called me Molly Elizabeth. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like kind of a rebel. <laughs> okay. All right. Do we have any questions from the audience? It could be anything. This is your chance. All right. So the question is, oh. how much time was uh, do you spend on your Instagram posts? Not much, actually. That's why a lot of them are very rough. And the, uh, the number of messages I'll get sometimes, too, of just like, did you really just post that? I'm like, yeah, because no thought went into that. Who else we got right there? So now that travel has opened back up, uh, the last time I was in Bakoji was right before the pandemic started. And so, yeah, I'm... Like when I'm in marathon training, it's very much like kind of have to be here, but I don't know, might try and make some fun plans for after a spring marathon. That would actually be kind of cool. I've been wanting to get back to Ethiopia for a while now. Yeah. I mean, you've seen a lot of places. What What's on your bucket list or checklist on like things, races you either want to run or like places you want to go? Ooh. Yeah. I actually, this year was like pretty cool. Like, especially through the fall, like kind of getting back like healthy again and getting a little bit more freedom to do stuff. Like we went out to Chamonix this summer for UTMB, um, like got, got to go back over to Japan to help out with some of the, um, the IOC event stuff over there. So I don't know. I'm trying to like, I really like getting to explore Europe. Europe's super cool. But like, honestly, I could spend like months in Japan. Yeah. I love that country. It is so much fun. All right, any other question? Right there. Instagram, Instagram Reels with puppies. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely could. Those puppies were supplied by Puma. <laughs> um, honestly, when I showed up to that shoot and they were like, oh, we have like crates full of corgi puppies. I, that was the closest I've come to like having an actual heart attack. Um, and they just let me play with them for a while. Uh, so yeah, if Puma wants to set up another photo shoot with corgi puppies, I wouldn't say no. Are you, do you have plans to get back at, well, so it was, it was Danny and John who pranked you, right? On April 1st. Oh my God. So for context for people, I think, what was it? They brought home No, it wasn't even April Fool's. This oh, was a really? prank war that we had going on in our house. I was not involved in the prank war. Like I said before with the Disney thing, I'm no fun. So my, my coach, John, who's also my roommate, and my other roommate, Danny, they had gotten involved in a massive prank war that involved Tide Pods being placed in shoes. Um, Danny's mattress ended up on the roof. All the doors were taken off the hinges. It was a nightmare. And they decided to include me then in the prank war by fake getting me the largest, moppiest dog I'd ever seen and saying that they got it for me as a Christmas present. That was the second time I almost had a heart attack. Um, there's a video on Instagram. As you can see as the video progresses, I just sink lower and lower towards the floor. And I think a lot of people assume that I didn't like dogs after that, which I didn't understand. I just don't like surprise dogs that are very large in my very small house. Um, 
Yeah, I'm hoping that doesn't come back around again. I don't like pranks. <laughs> All right, any other ones from the audience? Yeah. What do you mean by full send? Oh, full send. Full send came from, I used to ski race uh, growing up, and the I feel like that's a, a term used in ski racing a lot of just like all gas, no brakes, go for it. Like completely, like racing stupidly a little bit of like not being afraid to go all out. Um, and so in that first marathon build that we were doing for the trials, the whole idea was so wild that I was going to do the trials as my first marathon that I was just training so hard all the time, like right on the edge and just seeing like, well, I have no idea how this is going to go. Like might as well full send it and just see what happened. If the wheels come off, the wheels come off. Um, and so kind of taking that mentality forward of obviously like you want to be able to race smart. You don't want to go out and be an idiot every time, but sometimes being able to like shut the brain off a little bit and just say like, Hey, like if I just don't think I might do something that I never thought I could do. Any final questions before we let you go? Okay, we got one over there. Most fun race you've ever raced? Oh, the most fun race I've ever done. Um, when I was in college, I was uh, actually living down in Argentina for a little bit doing archaeology work. That's what my major was in college. I know. See, I keep dropping all like little tidbits. You're a renaissance woman. I know. Exactly. Um, so I was down in Argentina up in the Andes and the crew that I was working on actually had a bunch of ultra marathoners on it. And trail running is really big down in Argentina. So uh, Vale, who was one of the women heading up the dig, she was like, hey, I'm going to this, uh, I think it was like 16 mile trail race. I don't know how many kilometers um, that is. But she's just like, oh yeah, it's just through the mountains. Just like, come do it. So we woke up like at dawn, drove way up into the mountains. Trail race is such a strong term for what this was because there was no trail. It was effectively just like, okay, get up to the top of that mountain and go down the side there. I come back looking like I had just battled a cactus. Um, but it was so much fun and I finished the race and someone just like threw like a sausage sandwich and a beer into my hands and we just like partied the whole rest of the day. It was so much fun. Actually, that's somewhere I want to travel. I want to go back to Argentina because I haven't been back there since like my junior year of college and it was the best. Um, so right behind us, we've got all these shoes. Oh, my Take God, us through, I didn't even notice yeah. the shoe wall. <laughs> Take <laughs> us through your rotation. What are, what are your favorites here, and, like, how do you go about using them? Okay, so my two main training shoes that I, I like, my daily shoes, are the Deviate Nitro 2 and the Velocity Nitro 2. Uh, Velocity Nitro is just, like, go-to, easy mileage, does-it-all shoe. Uh, the Deviate Nitro 2 is more cushioned and it's also plated so you get a little bit snappier feel i love this for like slightly more up-tempo runs or long runs it has been like my baby on those magnify i'm wearing those on my shakeouts because they are cushy little marshmallow monsters <laughs> they are so nice especially when i'm running 9 30 pace oh feel glorious Liberate is the slightly more low profile, um, like let my feet feel the ground a little bit. And Run XX is the women's specific shoe. Also a nice cushy, cushy shakeout shoe for me. Um, and then I have to say, I actually have not run in the Forever Run Nitro. Sorry, Puma. Um, and then obviously uh, Deviate Nitro Elite, Innovation for Race Day, goes super fast in those ones. Nice. Whatever they're paying you, I double it. That was that was a great sell. Todd's right over there. He's our shoe development guy. Yeah. 
Well, my first visit to Puma, we nerded out for like a solid hour. I'm like, I think I want to go with this company. <laughs> so we were having a conversation with Pat Tiernan earlier, and he was saying essentially that your performance at the Olympics was basically enough validation for him to become a Puma athlete himself. Mm. From a brand perspective, how special was it that like that performance really during the super shoe era hmm. i think you know put puma on the map and said like no we can compete with yeah. anyone we'll go toe to toe well i think that that was yeah <laughs> nice pun there nice toe pun <laughs> um i think that was the coolest thing especially about that first year obviously like I, I came in uh, came in with Puma at the beginning of 2021, and at that point, they had not released any of the new Runline shoes. It was really kind of like taking this little bit of leap of faith, but when I had gone in and visited the December before, met everybody at the company, and just like really saw a product that I was like, damn, like I really believe in this product. I Going forward into this next phase of my career, thinking like I... I want a shoe that I know I can race at the top level in the world at. And that was it. And so that first half marathon that I did in the shoes was really a trial run um, going up to Vegas. And I PR'd in the half the first time I raced in the shoes. And immediately I just got a flood of calls from everyone at Puma uh, like... Aaron, who, like, manages basically all the, like, the head of the run. Todd, just, like, people were so excited because it was really the first time that they were like, oh, my God, the shoes work. Um, and so it was just this such a cool moment watching it build throughout that year, especially, like, going to the Olympics then and being able to, like, show up and run with the best of the world with a shoe that I really believed in and after the race, like, throwing it over my shoulder and just being like, hey, like, guys, like, we've arrived on the scene. That's awesome. All right, Molly. Well, I appreciate you taking the time for this. Everyone, round of applause for Molly Seidel. She'll be, we'll be hanging around afterwards, but thanks to Puma for allowing us to host this conversation in this space and enjoy the rest of the running event. Thanks, everyone. That does it for another episode of the City of Smack podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to contribute and support the show, you can also back us on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Mag or send over any tip or one-time donation over to City of Smack on Venmo. You guys are all the best. Thanks for listening. Legs are feeling good. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.